morning's scripture lesson is from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 20. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have this hope in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day that we celebrate your resurrection to new life. And I pray that as we look at this particular argument by Paul, that you would help us to understand more clearly what you have to say through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I had pretty good report cards through high school, except for one glaring flaw. It was the D I received in Mr. Reith's geometry class. Uh, Mr. Reith, who looked vaguely like the guy on the Quaker oatmeal container, except instead of a smile on his face, he wore a permanent scowl. <laughs> he probably got that skull from grading my papers. I think the main reason that I did so poorly in his class was because I failed to memorize all those if-then statements. I know you're eager to be reminded of a couple of them, so here are a, a couple for your uh, listening pleasure. <laughs> if a triangle is isosceles, then the base angles are congruent. Another one, if point D, E, and F are collinear, then D, E plus E, F equals D, F. Well, I'd better stop there because all the math geeks in my uh, listening audience here will not be able to focus on the rest of the sermon because they'll thinking of, be thinking about all the other if-then statements for the next 20 minutes. Well, here in our text today, the, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul is arguing a particular point using some if-then statements. But the point that he's trying to make is much more crucial than some of the if-then statements in our geometry class in regard to an isosceles triangle. The foundation of the Christian faith is on the line. Some in the newly formed church in Corinth there have begun to suggest that there is no resurrection from the dead. Let's follow Paul here as he challenges these Greek Christians by taking them step by step through the logic of their reasoning. Pay close attention to this because you don't want to get a D on this quiz. Your eternal destiny depends upon it. And so first we see in verse 13, if there is no resurrection, then Christ has not been raised from the dead. One of the most interesting aspects of these Christians in Corinth is they actually believed that Christ had been raised from the dead. They just didn't believe it was possible for them. That's why Paul says here, if there is not a resurrection, and we can safely insert the additional phrase, for you, then Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. They thought that somehow, because Jesus was the Son of God, God, that the natural laws of death didn't apply to him. Perhaps they thought that he was mostly dead, like the hero in The Princess Bride. 
Mostly dead is slightly alive, croaks Billy Crystal's character as he pumps Wesley's lungs full of air with a bellows. Paul attacks this line of reasoning. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus raise himself from the dead because he had some kind of supernatural power that you and I don't have? No, he was really dead, and dead people don't do anything. Scripture shows us exactly how Jesus was able to rise from the dead. We see the answer in Acts 22.32. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. And God the Father is able to raise you from the dead as well. We go on to verse 14, uh, the first part, that says, If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. When I was 24 years old, I was hired on at a pie factory in Chaska, Minnesota. And the assembly line at Pies, Incorporated, cranked out hundreds of pies each day. My 10-hour shift consisted of me standing uh, next to a huge stainless steel vat that contained frozen fruit like blueberries or strawberries. And then I would scoop out some of that fruit, weigh it, and then flip it over into the pie shells as they whizzed by. Well, I filled about 20 shells a minute that way, and these frozen pie discs were shipped to various grocery stores around the country in freezer cases. Needless to say, it was hard to get excited about my job. I was grateful for that steady work, but my mom was a professional pie maker, and so I found these pies to be very subpar. <laughs> she taught me the intricacies of a perfect flaky crust, and her Thanksgiving pie is still the stuff of legends. In Paul's next if-then statement, he basically says that if Christ were not raised from the dead, his job as a preacher would be as unfulfilling as that job of mine at the assembly line at Pies Incorporated. There would be no point. It would be actually worthless. He may as well go back to working full-time as a tent maker. The resurrection of Christ was the main point of his preaching. He was not trying to spread the message of how some guy in Israel decided to rise up against the Romans and was unsuccessful because they crucified him and put an end to the revolution. I would not have left my career as a barber of 20 years if Christ had not been raised from the dead. If I were here only to give you a list of rules that may or may not make a difference in your life, then forget about it. Verse 14b here says, If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead then your faith is a lie, as Paul goes on with his argument. The Bible tells us that faith is believing in something that you cannot see. And for much of the world today, the Christian belief that Jesus rose from the dead falls into the same category as belief in the Easter bunny or perhaps even the tooth fairy. Fun to enjoy while you're young and you need something to uh, rest your life on and bring you comfort. But once you've matured and moved on to the real world, then only the weak need a crutch of belief in the afterlife to help them face the fear of death. As Stephen Hawking stated, the mind is like a computer and there is no afterlife for worn out computer parts. The past 15 years have been fairly tough for my family regarding these worn out parts. When I was younger, I thought that my family was invincible because nobody seemed to die. All that changed when my mom died of a brain aneurysm at the age of 56. 
Shortly after that, my grandpa's lungs gave out uh, from COPD. Eight years ago, my sister died at 39 from suicide. A year after that, my wife's brother Dan was found dead in his home from alcohol poisoning at the age of 42. And the following year, my brother died at the age of 43, having plunged through the ice back in Minnesota. If the message that I stand up here and preach to you is not true, then there's no sense in getting upset about these deaths. They were just worn-out computers that will be replaced by younger computers as this meaningless life marches on. If our faith is a lie, then there's no sense in celebrating a life well-lived or mourning a life that's cut short. I would have saved a lot of time and money by not having to travel back to Minnesota to bury my brother and my sister. Some of you sitting here this morning fall into the category of the twice-a-year church attender. You come at Easter and Christmas because of maybe perhaps family traditions. You do it to make mom happy. And you might even be, have been thinking as you looked forward to this Sunday morning that, man, I hope that preacher has a short message. I don't really want to sit through a long message that he has. Just a boring talk of stuff that I don't believe in. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then you are one of the smartest ones here because you only have wasted about two hours of your year listening to vain teaching about a fictitious story someone invented thousands of years ago. Paul goes on here in verse 17, he says, If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then you are still in your sins. I have had many conversations down through the years about Christianity. Being a barber for 20 years, you have to talk about something, and so I thought, why not talk about something interesting like religion? The number one question I hear time and time again is, what's so special about Christianity? Don't all religions essentially lead to God? In fact, I was talking to somebody last night about this very thing, who's a Hindu. An illustration given by Larry Moyer, who's the president of an evangelical ministry out of Texas, would be helpful. Pretend we're all standing outside in the parking lot, and there's a big pile of rocks in the middle of it. And I say, okay, let's pick up these rocks and throw them to the North Pole. Now, I may get closer to the North Pole than some of you, and some of you may get closer to the North Pole than me. But we're all going to be about 3,600 miles short of reaching our goal. Each of us in that parking lot is like all the religions of the world. Some may get you a little bit closer to God's perfection than others, but if we rely on them, we are still an impossible distance from achieving it. Christianity is different in that our acceptance into God's presence is not reliant on our own efforts. It's based on another's, namely Jesus, the Son of God. We don't have to throw rocks to the North Pole. Jesus picks us up and flies us right to the North Pole. We are using an analogy here, but what really happens is that Jesus has taken the punishment for all of our sins. It was impossible for us to have eternal life in heaven because of our sin. But now we are made perfect because of the sacrifice of Jesus who paid our debt for us. That is, if he really did rise from the dead. If he didn't, then you'd better start lifting more weights and stretching out your arm so that you can get that rock to the North Pole. If Christ is not risen from the dead, Christianity is a sham and we are all, all still covered in our sin without hope 
of achieving perfection and being allowed into the presence of a holy God. Paul goes on here in verse 18. He says, If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then your dead Christian relatives have no hope. One of the parts of a pastor's job that would be completely ridiculous if it weren't for the resurrection would be funerals. I have been to over 50 funerals in my life, and the greatest aspect of the pastor's job is bringing comfort to loved ones who are wondering what's going to happen to their grandpa, mother, brother, or daughter. Without the hope of the resurrection, the conversation would go something like this. Pastor Scott, is my daughter with God in heaven right now? No, I'm afraid not. There's no resurrection from the dead. She's just decomposing worm food. But don't worry, with time you'll get used to that idea. And before long, you'll be worm food as well. That is not what we want to believe for our dead loved ones. I've heard people who don't even believe in God, who are actually atheists and never go to church, uh, they say things like this, He's in a better place, or we'll be reunited someday, or heaven needed him more than we did. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then those are just hollow statements. Your relative is not in heaven. In fact, they are much worse than worm food. They are destined to be tormented in hell forever with the devil and his demons. Paul goes on in verse 19, he says, If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, we are to be pitied more than all men. The last statement that Paul makes here is an argument that if we have no hope for the dead, then Christians are to be pitied more than all. And there are a few reasons for this. First of all, we are to be pitied because we've been duped all our life by the church. We've sat through countless talks that are a lie. Second, we're to be pitied because we could have been really partying it up here on earth. We could have smoked, drank, cheated on our spouses all we wanted to without fear of some kind of judgment from God. Finally, we are to be pitied because we won't get the very thing that we desire the most. Eternal life in a perfect place. In conclusion, can you imagine me ending my sermon that way? Okay, gang, that was uplifting. Let's go have some ham and hunt for Easter eggs. Don't worry about the fact that the universe continues to spin without hope, and the sun will probably explode soon anyway, relieving us of this miserable existence. Well, that's not the way that Paul leaves it here. Look at verse 20. He emphatically states that Christ did rise from the dead. How could he know this? Well, one reason he knew it is that Jesus himself confronted him while he was on the road to Damascus going to kill some Christians, actually, persecuting the church. Jesus knocked him flat on his back and redirected the entire course of Paul's life, a life, by the way, that was looking pretty good. He was working his way up the ranks of the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And now he submits himself to this new Christian life, facing torture and ultimately uh, a death. Another reason that Paul knew that he had, uh, Christ had risen from the dead is that he was actually taken up to heaven himself and given a glimpse of the place that's prepared for us. From that point on, Paul looked forward to the resurrection probably more than anyone who had ever existed. He said that he longed to die and be with the Lord, but he knew that he needed to continue on in this life for a little bit longer for the benefit of the church. He said that to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord, which was far better by far. 
When I was back at Mr. Wright's geometry class, there was a girl who sat in the front of the class, uh, not because she really liked the class, but because Mr. Wright assigned her that seat because she was a cheater. I'm actually going to allow you to cheat a little bit this morning by giving you the right answer to this question, and the majority of you know it as true already. The Holy Spirit is convicting your hearts at this very moment. So let's get an A-plus on this uh, question. Is Christ risen? He is risen indeed. Father God, thank you for this, your word. I pray for your blessing over the rest of our time now together. Uh, be with the fellowship for those at home that are listening today. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.